Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, of course, Mike Dominic. Big surprise there. It is January the 27th. Uh, this is episode five. This is a, a pretty exciting episode. Um, I'm not going to take too much time. We have an interview with Ryan Sipes that I'm going to jump right into. Ryan is currently working with uh, Mozilla on the Thunderbird project. Thunderbird is, of course, the multi-platform open source email client that I'm pretty sure just about everybody has heard of. Um, a lot of opportunities, especially for those of you who are interested in getting involved in some open source, to connect and uh, you know hopefully get involved. Right, that's what we're all about. So. Without further ado, uh, this is Ryan. This is the interview. It was pre-recorded earlier today, so there'll be a little bit of a transition. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, we're brought to you by the Mad Botter, uh, themadbotter.com. If you need any custom development done for either the web or mobile or IoT, please let us know. And you can find me on Twitter at Dumanuko. Thank you, guys, and here it is. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm good. pretty good. So for those who don't know, you've, uh, you've been around for a while now, um, most recently fighting audio issues with me. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we had a little adventure before we started this, for yeah, sure. So we had some challenges, we could say. But um, right now you're working on something interesting over at a Thunderbird, right, for the Mozilla Foundation. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so... I want to give you a little bit of an exclusive. I don't think I've ever talked too much about how I got started on that problem. Uh, and that problem being email on, it started out as email on Linux uh, and email clients on Linux. Um, but I was at System76 before and I remember one thing that we struggled with was um, recommending kind of office applications to our customers. Um, we were selling, you know, Linux machines. And the thing that we kept running into was um, people would ask for, for alternatives to like Outlook, or, which was the email, you know, issue. And then uh, the other office apps that you might expect. And we played around with a bunch of different clients. And uh, Thunderbird was one of the stronger ones, but it did have some it was lagging behind some of the others in in uh, kind of like the look and feel of the application, so the UX, and then there were a few other places. And so that's when I started paying attention more to Thunderbird. And then whenever I started uh, looking for other opportunities outside of System76, I saw that they had a community manager position open and the rest is history. So... That's how I ended up there, and and it was it was good timing because it was something that I actually wanted to improve and wanted to work on. Awesome, yeah. So so when you got there, what was kind of the state of play for? Let's just say I hate the word enterprise, but you know enterprise grade email solutions on the Linux desk, Linux desktop. And I think we should be clear, right? Thunderbird, for those who don't know, runs on Mac, Linux, Windows, uh, basically everywhere. As far yeah. As I, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's for sure. Uh, it's one of probably the most widely used desktop email applications in the world, if not the most widely used open source one. So when I got there, I think in regards to enterprise, it's I, I know that we have a lot of users in business. How much we actually spent, how much time we actually spent thinking about them 
or the the team had spent thinking about them was not as much as it probably should have been. The team was pretty bare bones whenever I came on. I think I was the second full-time employee hired on Thunderbird since it had been spun out from the Mozilla Corporation. I think you you have a lot of technical listeners, so they might remember when Mozilla kind of shifted to rewrite a lot of parts of Firefox and get, and they got very focused on that product. And as part of that, they kind of spun out or spun down other projects where they'd been spending time and resources. Thunderbird was one of those. It ended up getting picked up by the Mozilla Foundation, which was is, is the nonprofit arm of Mozilla and the Mozilla Corporation's parent company. And essentially, the the idea was that the community could take over, you know, maintaining Thunderbird, but they weren't going to invest a lot of resources in it going forward. And right. so what happened during that ultimately ended up with me getting there is that even though the community was managing the application, there was a little donate <laughs> link to support Thunderbird and uh, donations kept coming in. And so uh, Thunderbird ended up with quite a, quite a lot of resources in order to hire people like me and uh, a couple of others early on to kind of work on it full time. And maybe the idea was to ensure that we could lay out a plan for the future and execute on that. Right. Now, are, we've are, been pretty successful at that. Are donations still the primary funding model for Thunderbird? Yep. Yep. That's right. Uh, I came on and we adjusted some of how we make those donation appeals. And we were very fortunate in that donations through that initiative grew 300%. So it gave us a lot more resources to grow our team. We're now up to 10 people full-time on Thunderbird. Yeah. So we've had a good (laughs) couple years. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you're a team of 10 full-time. And what would you say, I mean, that's all great, obviously, Uh, you know, growing the team, uh, increasing the amount of donations you're getting, but are there challenges that you're facing? Yeah, I would say certainly there are. We have a, we have a lot of, we have a very large code base and uh, it's got a lot in there, a lot that's been brought, that's been added over time and, and going back through and, and addressing technical debt has been probably our number one challenge. Not to mention that we're tied to the same code base as Firefox in a lot of ways. We share a, a ton of code. And so when they change big things, which they've been doing a lot over the past few years, we have a burden to follow them or fall so far out of sync with them that that uh, we stop getting all the good things that we inherit sure. um, through sh- that shared code base. So uh, those are our challenges. Fortunately, that those are the types of challenges that more people to throw at the problem actually does seem to, to help <laughs> a lot. So that's not really what I'm concerned the most about today. What I'm concerned the most about is that we do things in a way that I don't think no long, any longer is a norm for how you contribute to open source projects. Really? Such uh, as? Uh, we're not using like Git and GitHub. Okay. Um, 
which I already know just based on kind of people who pop in for a little bit that that's not that it's very hard for them to switch up their whole tooling so, and so, their processes in order to contribute. So it begs the question, what are you using? Are you mercurial, bizarre, something Mer- like that? Mercurial. Okay. Um, okay. If you go and you look at uh, some of the documentation, developer.thunderbird.net um, is a site that I spun up with kind of taking a new approach at onboarding people. You'll see that it, it explains how to interact with the mercurial repository and kind of how we do things, but it's still quite outside what I think the newest, uh, for instance, like getting students involved is very hard Okay. because yeah. it's already, they're already having to learn version control and um, to learn something other than Git is kind of like, <laughs> I right. don't know not really maybe the greatest use of their time. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I'll take it a step further than you, right? If you're, if you're a student trying to get involved, you obviously want to learn skills that you can market. Um, I, fun fact, Ryan, I used to be a very hardcore mercurial supporter. Mm-hmm. Then I had to surrender to the inevitability of Git roughly about when GitHub launched for this very reason, right? It's asking someone, particularly someone junior to come in and learn an entirely new um, technology to base, you know, to, base their day-to-day work out of. Uh, it's probably not the most efficient use, particularly if we're talking open source contributors and volunteers. Yeah, and, and the whole paradigm is just so much different than, I mean, yeah. there's a reason GitHub and GitLab are kind of the gold standard right now. And that's because it's just so easy to, I think, as somebody who, whose primary job isn't development, to get in, you know, I I make my own branch. I do what I'm going to do. I send a pull request. I see it show up there. The review happens, you know, and then you do whatever you need to do and eventually it's merged and then you're on to the next bit. And, you know, there are some hardcore people in Mercurial and Mozilla land who would argue against me here, but it's it's just not as, it's not as straightforward, not as easy right. with our current workflow. I think that, we're going to find, continue to find ways to address that. And we, we continue to look at, at what we can do. And I think it's something that Mozilla is thinking about as well. The wider Mozilla community. Right. Cause and this is not just a Thunderbird uh, kind of tool chain question. This is actually all of Mozilla. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fo- yeah. Well, Firefox. Firefox. Um, outside of that, you know, if you look at Mozilla and you look at, um, our our Thunderbird um, org is Thundernest. So if you look Amazing. at GitHub.com/slash/Thundernest, or you or you look at um, I think it's gosh, I'm gonna mess this up. GitHub.com/slash/Mozilla, maybe. No worries, we can be, always put it in the notes. Yeah, you can see that there a lot of projects have moved to GitHub, okay. but moving the two big ones, uh, well, Firefox and then of course Thunderbird over there is is a. Uh, a big project. That's got to be a big migration, I imagine. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, core developers who are so used to their tool chains that it's, it'll have a, it'll, it will have, if, if we ever did that, it would have a pretty big effect on their productivity for a while. Yeah. Cause we're talking, I mean, are we, we're probably talking over a decade of development here that we need to transition. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I, so, just kind of 
you know, taking a, a step back away from the, uh, the question of tooling, I imagine you guys are looking for help, right? And one of the things I'm trying to do is, you know, use the show to get particularly young folks, you mentioned students, involved with uh, open source projects, even in ways that aren't necessarily development, right? Of course, obviously, I'm sure you guys are looking for developers too. What, what do you need, just right from the horse's mouth? What, what does Thunderbird need, you know, if tomorrow, right? Well, we have a, we have a roadmap that we shared. Um, I'm going to try to get that on the developer website. Uh, and in there, we have really a lot of great stuff. Uh, the, a lot of initiatives that I think that your audience would be really interested in a lot of things that will bring Thunderbird into, you know, what, what you'd expect out of these modern, um, email slash communication applications. For instance, right now I just, my workflow is, uh, I do almost all of my communication in Thunderbird. So I do IRC in the chat tab, which Thunderbird does have a chat module. I didn't even know that. Wow. Okay. And then I, and then I do my email in my other tab, you know, and I have my calendar and tasks in, and <laughs> two other tabs and those all work really great. But one thing that we, we've put a lot of time into already, but it needs the final push is we want to support the matrix protocol for chat. And we have some plans to do that in a way that makes it more Slack like in the UX, uh, in the, in the user experience in the, in the kind of the UI there. And so, you know, we could just use some more help in pushing that forward. We could, any developers who are interested in, in matrix or just in chat in general, we're always open to people engaging in that. So for, for folks, myself included, who aren't familiar with the matrix protocol, what what is that versus let's say IRC or you know you mentioned it's a it's it's uh, think IRC but um, persistent uh, chat okay. so you're not in the room but you can come back and still see what happened while you were gone Got so it. very Slack like in that regard uh, it also in, supports end to end encryption out of the box and so you don't have to enable it in every room but you have the option to toggle it on. Um, for rooms that you generate or one-to-one chats that you participate in, which I think is a a great (laughs) feature. There are a number of um, things that I couldn't possibly remember (laughs) to say about the matrix protocol here, other than uh, I will say that it's just what you expect out of modern chat, but it's decentralized and federated and all that good stuff. And that's really... Uh, to go on a tangent for a moment, that's really what Thunderbird is. You know, one thing we've we've got we are we keep repeating is that we are the communication application for private decentralized um, communication based on open standards. So the the idea is that we're trying to maintain people's privacy when they when they want you know that and allow them to use whatever providers they want based on open standards. So for instance, like you could have your, you, you could use your own matrix server. You can use whatever email server you want. Uh, this whole decentralized communication 
thing is, I think, really important in a world where we keep seeing more and more silos when mm. it comes to yeah. uh, communication on the web. I mean, email is really fantastic in that if you, you have uh, one email provider and I have another one and we're both happy with them, but we are still able to communicate. Unfortunately, much of the communication on the web is, is not going that way. Um, it's becoming more and more siloed. And uh, I think that's just ultimately bad for the internet. And so that's something that Thunderbird has committed to pushing forward. And uh, as, as such, you know, in our roadmap, we've spelled out a number of areas where we want to promote, um, you know, decentralized communication based on open standards. So open standards are yeah, agreed upon ways in which you can communicate across diff across different uh, providers and that's kind of our our vision and our goal is to promote those things well, that all sounds very cool I'm, I'm particularly interested in this idea of thunderbird you know you and i have talked before actually fun fact for the audience i have seen him dressed up as some sort of strange was that like a wizard or a magician yeah a wizard yeah a wizard yeah <laughs> so it's, uh, he's an interesting guy. So I honestly, coming into this conversation, I was really thinking you were going to tell me about, you know, email, right? And it seems like you guys are taking an approach where Thunderbird is your almost, almost like your one-stop shop for federated communications. Is that, is that where things are going or am I? Yeah. And, okay. and then the other part I would say that we're still learning to talk about is, um, and productivity. So you're, you know, calendar and tasks and email and chat. For one, they really probably shouldn't be completely siloed. For instance, if you and I are talking in email and you say, could you get me, you know, that document by Friday? I should be able to just right click, turn that into a task and put a due date of Friday, you know, and have it just inform me and you can do that right now but it's it's it, it's uh, i think it could be more more seamless sure uh and so just to tell people what other things you know they could come and work on if they want to contribute to thunderbird that's one area we're trying to kind of remove some of the barriers between parts of the application so that you can kind of seamlessly take this data from one place to another and actually use it in in useful ways um so that and that's a big that's a big thing that that will take quite a bit of work what uh skill sets uh development wise are you looking for well the honestly i think anybody could come in with just a some basic uh experience and so like students would be good you know to come in and i think we have enough people in the project who could be good mentors to help them get involved. You know, obviously I'm open to anybody coming in and participating and, uh, you know, somebody really is a rock star and, and, uh, agrees with what we're trying to do. Uh, I welcome them <laughs> to come participate, but I don't think that you need to be like, have been an engineer for the last 10 years and have all sorts of experience enabled in order to contribute and in fact, some of our some of our contributors now started out as, you know, Google Summer of Code 
students who got involved and they found their niche and now they contribute to that. And it's really also good because we're, we're going to be hiring, I think it's uh, seven more people uh, this oh, year. Wow. And so uh, anybody who can show their chops before that hiring is, uh, you know, probably has a leg up on everyone else. See that polish up those resumes and GitHub profiles. Bonus yeah. points if you know Mercurial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I know that there are ways to map. Um, there are. There yeah. are tools to map Git to Mercurial like calls. So you can essentially be using Git. I'm air quotes. You can't see them. But uh, you're, but still uh, do it the Git way, but it's Mercurial. Right. But it, so basically it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I've, I've, I, I use something similar for when I have to deal with SVN. Uh, it's, it's not perfect. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask. So I'm I'm doing something a little new, Ryan, and and you've been a you've been a great guinea pig today. By the way, thank you. No problem. A question I'm going to be asking everybody who comes on here is, you know, I love to destroy laptops and talk about hardware. So what's uh-huh. your setup like? Well, uh <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so. I, I only laugh because I worked at System76 and I can start by saying that while they're doing amazing stuff and I'm totally on board due to just the money that I've had <laughs> whenever I was buying my next machine and everything, I don't have a System76 machine at my desk right now. So I'm just going to preface that. Okay. Um, Disclaimer made. Yeah. So I have a one or two generation behind Dell XPS 13 on my desk. It's a great machine. Yeah. It's, um, it's really great. I got it refurbished and I'm pretty happy with it. Um, the biggest thing is that it, it's really had a, so I don't have the 4k screen. I don't have Mm. touch anything like that. I don't need, I don't need that stuff. Um, my very confusing to my wife, uh, the things that I pass on purposefully when buying a laptop. But I did that because with this 1080 non-touch screen, it's the battery life is really quite good. Yeah. Um, I've been able to get like eight to 10 hours depending on what I'm doing, which is like just amazing. Especially, really? you know, I'm a, I'm a traveler. <laughs> I love to travel because I work remotely. Sometimes, you know, I'll go somewhere for a week and work from, you know, wherever I want to be. Sure. And uh, being able to make it through a flight, being able to make it through a day of travel without having to plug in is just super liberating. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing what I'm doing, you know, and yeah. and not worried about it. Yeah. I have a Dell XPS 15. I think it's like a generation or two back and I'm just trying it out with Linux. The battery life, because it's got it's got an NVIDIA card, is just atrocious. I mean, yeah, I, I have a trip coming up in a week and a half, and I I'm going to be forced to take a different machine because you just can't have a machine that lasts four hours. We're talking the Sputnik models here, right? The XPS. I know yeah. we don't call it that anymore; they call it Developer Edition, but it used yeah. to be called Sputnik. Are, are you running stock Ubuntu or some derivative? No, no, no. I use um, Elementary. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, very cool. I think that they have the best vision of all of the Linux distributions for what Linux should be. And they're closing okay. the gap between 
you know, the proprietary leaders on desktop and uh, Linux. Frankly, I think the only thing that they're missing is, and I've told them this, so it's not a surprise, is uh, a really great business model. And I have a lot of ideas for that. Probably won't get into them here, but sure, sure. But I think that that's the only thing separating them from really being a breakout product is setting up different ways to to make money that <laughs> it feel good to the user, feel good right. to them, and benefits everybody in the end. Yeah. But yeah. I think we have too many Linux distributions that aren't figuring this stuff out. And, you know, System76 is probably the only one that, that kind of has something akin to a good business model around their, their uh, operating system, and that's cell computers. <laughs> right, Pop! OS, right. But uh, I think Elementary's got quite a few uh, options there. I think Ubuntu does, too. I know they, they made some attempts in the past, but, but I think that there are still great opportunities in that space. The question is, who's going to execute on it? Is anyone going to execute on it? And uh, the answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely, uh, I, every couple of months I do try at elementary myself and I, I was actually very impressed by their, uh, their code editor. I think they could just call it code, frankly. Yep. 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 Uh, kind That's of my, it's yeah. become my go-to. There are a few things that I wish that it had, but then again, it's feels so native and it, it's and when not I an look electronic app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't use a ton of system resources, so it's just it's really solid. So, right. yeah. Ryan, where can they find you on the social media? Uh, sure. I'm on Twitter at, at Ryan Lee Sipes, the same handle on um, mastodon.social, uh, although I don't post there as much. My website is ryanleesipes.me. And uh, what else? You can always go there and find other ways to contact me. And that, that's pretty much it. All right, great. Thanks for coming on. You can always find me at Dumanuko on Twitter and I will talk to you all in a week. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you.